This is your home for the Brian Hanks Show and the VSIN Sports Network. Bet on the Bull, WRNS Kinston. And thank you, Brent. Uh, man, I, as uh, Jason will tell you and John and Jonathan will tell you, anytime I get a chance to uh, hear Brent Musburger say Brian Hanks, I'm going to give it. So, uh, hey, welcome to Hour 2 of the Brian Hanks Show presented by Lenore Community College. Today is uh, it is Monday, September the 11th in the year of the Lord, 2023. This is Hour 2 of Episode 926 of the show. Uh, you just uh, heard as we wrapped up our first hour there, uh, our good friend, the dean of ENC Sports Talk hosts, He's also the host of The Drive with Mark Panicelli. Mark Panicelli uh, joining us here. Coming up here, in fact, in just a few moments, we're going to get the voice of uh, the Appalachian State Mountaineers. He's the former voice, uh, radio voice of the Down East Wood Ducks, uh, and very excited to be talking to him. And then around 20, 25 minutes into this second hour, we're going to be visited by the winning coach of those Parrot Academy Patriots, uh, Matt Beeman. So very excited about that too. Okay, uh, let me tell you about da da da. How about uh, our good friends over at Arundel Parrot Academy? They are the largest independent non-sectarian college prep school in the region, located on a beautiful 80-acre campus right here in Kenston Parrot. Or right, I'm in Garner right now, but in Kenston Parrot Academy draws students from all over Eastern North Carolina. APA students receive acceptances from colleges and universities across the country and around the world. Give uh, David Moody, all the folks over at Arundel Parent Academy, a call at 252-522-4222 or tour their beautiful campus at 1901 Dobbs Farm Road in Kenston. Again, thank you to Parent Academy, one of our day one sponsors. Also, thank you to Woodman Life. I've had my life insurance with Woodman Life <coughs> excuse me, for about 15 years now. I could not be happier with it. I know if something bad happens to me, those I care for are going to be very well taken care of. Uh, thank you so much, Danny Rice. Uh, Jared Edwards and Woodman Life for sponsoring the Brian Hanks Show. If you need a good life insurance quote or even financial advice, call Jared at 252-361-2414 or visit him at 1136 Highway 258 North in Kinston beside Highland Furniture and across from Auto Mall. And I got to tell you, beyond honored right now to have on our line with us right now, on our Spence Automotive guest line, joining us live from Boone, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I guess I should refer to you as, you know, the voice of Appalachia State, but I got to tell you, Matt, in my heart, you're still the former radio voice of uh, our Down East Wood Ducks, dude. It's Matt Present joining us here in the second hour. How are you doing, dude? I'm great, Brian. How are you? I am doing pretty good. little heartbroken, and we're going to uh, be all over the map here in our 20-minute or so visit here because uh, I wanted to get your thoughts. As someone who is as heavily invested in the Downey Wood Ducks as you were and uh, just did such a great job, and as I told you when you left here, I, and I mean this sincerely, and I'm, I'm saying it here on the air again, one of the best radio voices of our professional baseball, whether it was the Kinston Indians or the Down East Wood Ducks that ever came through uh, Kinston and Lenora County. We were so blessed to have you for the short amount of time that we had you. I'm glad that uh, you were scooped up in God's country, though, up at Appalachian and uh, that, they were, that they hired you up there. But I wanted to get your thoughts on, obviously, I know you keep your ear to the ground on stuff, and you've heard you know, that next year is very likely going to be the last year for uh, – for professional baseball in Kenston, uh, definitely for the Down East Wood Ducks, we may get it like a wood bat team in. But I just, as, again, someone who gave a year of their life, more than that, uh, here in Kenston, Lenore County, your thoughts on uh, us losing the uh, the Wood Ducks and professional baseball? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's disappointing. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I've kept up with it enough to know that, that it's, 
that it's been rumored and talked about, um, and, and I don't know how definitive it is, but certainly sounds likely. Um, I don't know all the politics at play behind the scenes. Of, you know, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of it has to do with the, the city owning the stadium and the Rangers previously owning the team. Um, but beyond that, I mean, it's one of those situations where the loser is not either of those parties. The loser is the fan. Yep. Um, and, and that stinks. And I think, you know, you, I don't know if this is where you were ever going to go today on the show, but it's, it's kind of like a realignment in college football where it's, you have conferences brokering agreements with TV deals and neither one of those parties is a winner or a loser. I mean, maybe they're both winners, but it's the fan that's really affected. And so, uh, you know, I think it's kind of similar on a different scale um, for the fans in Kinston who've been so loyal for so long. And I mean, obviously it's, it's not the biggest, it's not the nicest stadium in minor league baseball, but boy, is it a really special environment. Um, you feel the history and, and you feel the fan support and, and certainly it's a loss for the community. Well, like I said, we've missed you since you've been gone, dude, and that's in all sincerity. And uh, just to answer you, your question there, uh, it is, it, they are definitively gone. I mean, uh, we've got them, obviously, <laughs> through the you know the next couple of weeks here, and then next season we're going to have them here in 2024. But it's still up in the air whether we're going to have them in 25 as they're building the stadium down in Spartanburg, South Carolina. That is where the, the franchise is going to be heading. And uh, so we've definitely got them, like I said, for the next couple of weeks. We're in the playoffs, Matt, which is awesome. Uh, we're taking on the hated Carolina Mudcats. So uh, I saw, I so I, <laughs> I saw on Facebook, I saw the famous Brian Hanks rally towels. And so before I hopped on with you this morning, I I looked up to see who they were playing in the playoffs. And so for anyone listening, uh, wishing everyone on the team and in the front office good luck here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, and, and I love your comparison. You're right with all the, you know, the conferences breaking down and I, I, you know, I promise, I promise, Matt, we're going to get to ECU, uh, Appalachian state here in a moment. I can't wait just to get your feelings about Appalachian state, uh, at Chapel Hill this past Saturday. We're going to get to that in a few moments, but you brought it up. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, on all the conference reaffiliation. And to me, just the the loss of the Pac-12. I mean, I grew up, and I know you did too. I mean, the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever the Pac conference uh, name was, was one of the powerhouses in college in college sports and in college uh, football. I just I can't wrap my mind around it, man. That there's not going to be a Pac-12 after this season. You don't think the Pac-2 is in it for long? <laughs> no, I do not, sir. I do not. Um, yeah, I mean it. Uh, I get it, right? Like money and football run college sports. But, man, I, I don't think that the folks in power have really um, thought it through with all the unintended consequences. And as someone who works heavily with uh, the Olympic sports, some of the non-revenue sports at App State and has followed many of those sports um, throughout my lifetime and throughout my college tenure at Maryland, like, that's where there's just going to be a huge question mark and I think potentially uh, a huge disaster in the long term. Um, I think obviously it makes sense for football to maximize the amount of money they can bring in, but at what cost? Um, and I think from a moral perspective, you talk about the fact that mental health is risen to the forefront of not only uh, sports, but society in terms of how we have 
begun to value that more and more. And, and I think it's a really terrible decision mental health wise to have students expected to travel cross country multiple times a year and then show up to class the next morning after probably getting off a, a red eye flight in many cases. Um, but beyond that, I just think that, you know, I, I think when student athletes are looking for a school, they're looking for a place where their parents oftentimes can come and watch them play, even if that means they're going away from home. Perhaps it's to a conference where they're still returning home or still returning uh, nearby to home. And, and that's not going to be the case anymore in a lot of situations. But beyond that, football is flying charter, right? A lot of cases at Power 5 schools, men's basketball is flying charter. And maybe at some of the bigger and, and higher revenue schools, other Olympic sports are flying charter. But I'll tell you what, I don't know that the field hockey or soccer teams in the Pac-12 are flying charter. And so how is that going to work logistically? And beyond that, kind of, Brian, the ripple effects of it, if I'm a really talented student athlete that was looking at an ACC school or looking at a Pac-12 school uh, or looking at a Big Ten school, how does the geography now change my desire to play in those locations? And it, it might not immediately, but I think we're going to see a ripple effect there. And, and, you know, not to cheer on the demise of any of these conferences, I think they'll be just fine in football. But to bring it back a little bit to, to home, for me at least, boy, I think the Sun Belt has made out so well in conference realignment. Not only have they gone the route of regional rivalries in football when everyone else has, you know, gone for the huge TV contracts in looking, you know, looking for these major media markets. And I think that's dissipating, right? Because I think that so many people have cut the cord and are watching on ESPN Plus or watching on a stream, streaming provider such that I don't know that the economics of being in a major city are quite the same as when, some of these deals were handed out, but, but boy, if I'm a student athlete and I want to play close to home and I want to be in a conference where travel is, you know, a lot more bus trips than plane trips. And it's not quite the bear that it's going to be for ACC schools traveling out to the West coast or even a US, a USC or UCLA traveling to play Rutgers or Maryland in the big 10. I'm looking heavily at the Sun Belt, and it's a conference on the rise already. It's had four or five teams in the postseason in baseball the last couple of years. It's a very recognizable football conference. And so I think you look there as a conference that in five to ten years might be really ahead of the game in the way they position themselves. Ah, I could not agree with you more. Again, that voice list is Matt Present. He's the Assistant Director of Strategic Communications at Appalachian State, the, the voice of men's basketball there and other sports there. And just had to get you on today to uh, talk about uh, the Mountaineers and just the the great weekend that they had. I mean, well, I guess I, you're probably like the coaches are, Matt. You're not into uh, moral victories. But I tell you what, to take on Carolina for the second year in a row and have the kind of game that you got that the Mountaineers had against them, taking them to double overtime in Chapel Hill, how do – you know – how do you look at that? How do you look at the back-to-back -back just extremely close losses that uh, the Mountaineers have had to the Tar Heels and just on a national stage both times? 
Well, I, I don't know that I would necessarily call it a moral victory, but okay. you look at the way our fans reacted, and App State fans, Brian, I don't know how much you follow them on Twitter. They are less patient and more critical, I think you can say, than most. I mean, it was overwhelmingly positive, the response. Like, certainly there were fans that felt like, man, we could have won or we should have won. But the amount of pride and the amount of gratitude that was shown after that game for the way this team competed and just the fact that it was exciting wire to wire, I, I mean, to me, that is a bit of a moral victory to be able to take a team that's 17th ranked in the polls and to take a team, I mean, it's the best team Mac Brown's had since he's been back at North Carolina, uh, to, to take a team like that and you know, compete with them toe-to-toe the entire game, it, it, it's impressive. It continues to show that App State isn't just the team that beat Michigan in 2007. They're the team that, you know, has gone down to the wire with Tennessee and with Penn State and beaten South Carolina and beaten North Carolina in 2019. And again, the last two years have been oh so close. And so, yeah, it's heartbreak, but I, I think it's also validation that all of these other performances are not one-offs, that this is who the program is, and they're going to continue uh, to compete with every single team they play. See, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before. And, again, that voice lets you Matt present this morning here on the Brian Hanks Show. And I'm not sure we've ever talked about this before, Matt, when you were here, but I grew up in Wilkes County. I mean, that's where I went to high school there uh, until I turned 18. That's where I grew up. So I grew up, obviously, in the shadow of Boone and of uh, Appalachian State. And, uh, I mean, as much as I loved the University of Virginia growing up, I mean, I was a huge Mountaineer fan, too. Went to their basketball camp every summer and – you know, in, in the back of my head, I got to tell you, I thought, you know, one day I'm going to play for the Mountaineers. Obviously, it you know, it never <laughs> happened or anything. But uh, so I'm very familiar with just, I mean, there are high levels, high levels of expectations in Boone. And it's not just for the football program. As you know, it's obviously for basketball. Basketball is just so beloved up there in Boone and in the high country and uh, all the other sports too. I mean, that's one of the things before we, we're going to turn to ECU, uh, Appalachian state here in a second, but I wanted to ask you in your time there now, I mean, what, what have you discovered about Boone and about Appalachian state that maybe you didn't know before you got there, Matt? I mean, I think to your point, it's the momentum of everything in addition to football. Um, and part of that is kind of coincided with, me arriving the last two years not that I've had anything to do with performance on the field but just obviously there's a ton of history in football but since I've been there you know wrestling finished this year in the top 25 basketball went on the road and beat Louisville and basketball had just before I got there made the NCAA tournament for the first time in two decades um but you can go down the list um Field hockey last season made the conference championship game for the first time uh, in program history. Volleyball hired a new head coach before last season, and they won 11 of their last 12 matches, and they've started this season 9-0. and And you can go down the list. Baseball, 30-win season in the spring uh, for the first time since 2012. And so it's the momentum of every single sport just about being on the rise. And with that has come you know, greater fan support. And we've seen that not only in what, what you feel on social media and just the interactions with people, but also the attendance numbers. And, 
you know, you said we'll get to ECU. I, I think we'll be over <laughs> 40,000 this weekend. Um, we set an attendance record in football against North Carolina last year at 40,100 and change, and we could see that broken uh, here on Saturday. But it, it's the attendance that has also been a part of every other sport on campus. And so to me, that's what I've taken away most is the way in which App State has continued to uh, put resources towards being excellent in all sports um, and the quality of coaches that we've hired and the quality of play we've seen on the field the last couple of years has been really impressive. Again, that voice list who is Matt present joining us here on the Brian Hank show this morning. And I, I, I will just uh, one nugget on this. I do the public address now uh, for the volleyball program at ECU so I got to watch uh, Appalachian State come into the Pirate Invitational a couple of weekends ago, or was it not this past weekend, but a weekend ago, and dominate. I mean, played very, very well and won the uh, Pirate Invitational. So, yes, you're right. I mean, the your your volleyball program is just uh, kicking butt right now. Okay, got to ask you this. Uh, going into this game this week, uh, Appalachian obviously coming off uh, that double overtime loss to Chapel Hill, ECU. Uh, coming off uh, the loss to Marshall this past uh, Saturday, hey, what are you anticipating? I, I get your uh, your pregame analysis here, Matt. Present, what do you, what are you anticipating to see this weekend when uh, ECU visits Boone? Well, Brian, you got me at eight a.m. on a Monday, so I haven't watched <laughs> all my ECU film yet for the week. Um, I, I can't tell you much about ECU in terms of what they bring to the table and how they play and that sort of thing, but I certainly anticipate it being a very close and competitive game and certainly a really exciting atmosphere. I mean, this game sold out before tickets were on sale for the general public, just to give you a sense. At wow. State sold out um, their season ticket allotment, and then they opened up individual game sales uh, only to the Yosef Club donor base. And before that process had come to fruition and they they went to the next step in making those tickets on a single-game basis available to the general public, ECU had already sold out. Wow. So that gives you a sense of just how hot this ticket was all the way back in July. So there's been a ton of anticipation for this game, and, and certainly I think it will live up to the hype. I will say, and I might um, – ruffle some feathers with the ECU fan base on the other end of this. But there's been a lot of talk about ECU coming to Boone and, and bringing a, a huge uh, purple and gold contingent. And while I'm sure there's interest and I'm sure they will, you know, certainly fill the visiting team allotment, I am a little skeptical how much purple and gold we'll see just because of the fact that it sold out before tickets were on sale for the general public. I don't know how available that ticket is going to be on the secondary market. And, and so I, I would think it would be a heavily app state um, favoring crowd here at home. Well, there you go. I, I One last question here for you, Matt. I've got to ask, how do, and you've, you know, you, you have been part of the app state family now for, uh, for a few years now. How do you guys, and you have that unique perspective of living here in Eastern North Carolina, and I don't know how many games you attended or whatever, but you knew about the fan base here, you know, definitely in Kensal and Nora County, Pitt County, all that. But how do folks in Boone, how do Appalachian State fans, uh, Appalachian, Appalachian State supporters, how do they view their, their brethren from across the state in Greenville? I mean, I think they're 
similar fan bases in terms of the passion, um, kind of a unique location where people, you know, have it circled on their calendar that no matter if they're still living in the region or if they migrated to, you know, Raleigh or Charlotte or another major city in the state that they are, they have those, you know, six Saturdays circled and they are making the trip, whether that's to Greenville or to Boone to support their teams. I mean, that's certainly my sense um, that there's a lot of mutual respect, but I also think it's, you know, two teams that are kind of fighting for, you know, where they stand within the state and within the college football conversation. And so I think that's kind of the fan perspective. And then, you know, you kind of hinted at it, but on the field, I would think ECU is going to be incredibly desperate. They've had a very challenging non-conference start to the season I can't imagine they want to go 0-3 regardless on how that does or doesn't factor into their competition in conference play and then App State similarly I mean it's two teams that have done a really good job in non-conference scheduling App State obviously this past week facing North Carolina ranked 17th in the country and that after they play ECU this weekend the following week they go out to Wyoming, which I think we all know is another very talented uh, group of uh, guys and a team that's at, at that you know group of five level that is on par with a lot of the Power Five. Uh, are we still talking Power Five? It's the Pac two now, but <laughs> in any event, I, I think you get my point. It's it's two teams that have really scheduled some challenging contests, um, you know, in in non conference play, and so I think. Uh, it'll be a great game, and I, I think it'll be interesting just to kind of see what we get on the field for App State. Nate Noel is coming off back-to-back 100-yard rushing games. Um, I don't know how much you followed the quarterback situation for App State, but they went into camp with a true two-quarterback uh, battle. Uh, Ryan Berger just barely won that job to start you know, game one, and he ends up injuring his, his hand in the first half, goes out, he's uh, he was announced last Monday to be missing three to four weeks, but Joey Aguilar comes in in that first game against Gardner-Webb, throws a touchdown on his first play, and ended up just having a terrific game there, played well against Chapel Hill, and, and so now he's got a chance to start a game at home, and again, I, I really expect it to be a, a very competitive game start to finish on Saturday. Well, very good. Well, listen, Matt, man, it's been way overdue having you on. We've got to get you on during basketball season at some point. Do y'all have ECU on your schedule this year? We do not, but Uh, I'm happy to come on whenever you text me. Hey, Matt, you're the best, man. Thanks for getting up so early this morning and joining us. uh, And uh, good, good luck this Saturday against the Pirates, okay? Thanks, Brian, and, and good luck to the Wood Ducks this week against Carolina. Absolutely. Thank you so much, dude. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Matt Present from Appalachian State University. We're going to get Matt Beeman on. Is this an all-Matt weekend here? While we do that, though, or uh, all-Matt Monday. Hey, an all-Matt Monday. Maybe that's a new thing we need to do, Jason Bryant. What do you think? Hey, thank you to UNC Lenore Healthcare. They are the exclusive sponsor of the big interview every day here on the Brian Hanks Show. Nestled in the heart of Lenore County right here in Kinston, UNC Lenore Healthcare's mission is to ensure exceptional health care for the people it serves. Uh, visit UNC Lenore Healthcare at 100 Airport Road right in Kinston. 
for all your health care needs or call them at 252-522-7000. You can also email them at info at Lenore.org or visit their comprehensive website at unclenore.org. And again, thank you so much to UNC Lenore Healthcare for being the exclusive sponsor of the big interview every day here on the Brian Hanks Show. It, not only do we have two big interviews here in our in our second hour, we have two Matts. We just talked to Matt Present from Appalachian State University. Now we're talking to four-time state championship winning football coach, uh, Matt Beeman from Arundel Parrot Academy. And I, I think, hey, what do you think, Coach? Maybe we'll start an all-Matt Monday. What do you think? Uh, that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> there you go. Man, we talked about it. Uh, you came on Friday's show, and uh, we, as we previewed your game against uh, Richlands Liberty Christian, and Coach uh, it, it pretty much followed the script, I guess is the best way to say it. I know I was messaging with uh, Shane Albee, your, uh, your public address guy throughout the game, and he kept giving me score updates. We were sharing them on our, uh, on, on our, during our game broadcast. And uh, I guess the, the, the nicest way to say this, Coach, is just it lived up to what we thought it was going to, didn't it? It did. You know, it's just a new program. I had to give those guys credit. They didn't quit. They kept playing hard. And you got to start somewhere. And, you know, they're, they're trying to build a program. And, you know, we're a pretty established program. So it's just a tough matchup. Uh, they're going to take some lumps early. But I uh, hope they, they can stick with it. Well, tell you what, the neat thing is in the 53-year history of Arundel Parrot Academy football, uh, a couple of marks were set, and that's one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on. It is Monday morning quarterback, and I, I wanted to get you on here to talk a little bit about the win, but uh, a couple of uh, historical marks were set. The fourth all-time point scored in a game, 75 uh, against Richlands. Uh, it, by the way, you've been a part of the t- of what's tied for first. Do you remember what those are? Uh, uh, number I think we scored eight. 88 points uh, twice, <laughs> and I think that the, the – here's, here's an old school one for you. The 78 points we scored against NEW Academy, I was the quarterback for that team. I swear I was getting ready to ask you that because I was looking at <laughs> September 15, 2000 against – so they called it NEW. You got to remember, that's before I got here from Sharpsburg. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was Sharpsburg. It was NEW Academy. <laughs> they actually scored first and were beating us six to nothing to start the game. And then you you led them to seventy eight straight points. <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, it was a uh, it was an experience for sure. Well, here is what's neat too, and I wanted to throw this out here: you have been a part of the top eight points, not just scoring games, okay? Not just number one, number two, number three, number four, but the seventy four you scored against Southampton uh, in twenty fourteen, the seventy three against Rocky Mount Faith Christian. Goodness gracious, still coach seventy three to sixty that game. I mean that that's a that's a basketball score, coach. Yeah, for sure, we, we we've been fortunate <laughs> to put a lot of points on a lot of good athletes. You have, and then seventy two twice, once against Word of God in twenty thirteen, and then uh, seventy two against Wilson Christian in twenty fifteen. In fact, of the top ten, the only one you weren't involved with. Or maybe you were. Maybe you were walking a sideline. October 5th, 1979. Were you even born yet, Coach? No, I was not born yet. <laughs> Wasn't even a thought yet. There you go. But against Albemarle Academy, a 70-6 to six win. So, uh, and the, <clears throat> But then the 68 against uh, Southampton in 2015. Again, of the top 10 scoring games in Parrot Academy history, you've been a part of either as a coach or a player of nine of those. You've got to take a certain amount of pride in that, don't you? Oh uh, yeah, I mean that's an impressive stat. Uh, first, actually, you know, obviously you're all, you're a stat guy. That's the first time I've actually <laughs> heard that, but it's pretty cool to look at. I'll tell you why. Hey, when we get through, I'll pop it to you, so uh, you'll you'll have it, okay, Coach? 
That'd be great. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, well, and I did want to tell you this too. The biggest wins in Parrot Academy history. Uh, the biggest win ever was the one, like you said, your quarterback, the seventy-eight to six win in two thousand uh, against NEW. I did not. I've been calling them New Academy all all morning, Coach. <laughs> I heard you this morning. I heard you say New Academy. So you're like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> NEW, NEW. There you go. Because uh, it was Nash. It was Nash, Edgecombe, and Wilson. Was really? the counties they pulled from? So that's that's where the name came from. Well, there you go. I did not. I, you just educate. You got to remember, I didn't get here till to O two till two thousand two, so I didn't know about them. But then the uh, sixty six to nothing win uh, against Kerry Christian in twenty seventeen. Uh, that's the second all time biggest win in program history. And then number three now, the sixty three point win against uh, Liberty Christian seventy five to twelve. So congratulations on that, Coach. A couple of historical notes there. Very good. Are you there, Coach? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Thank you, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, uh, we're not going to get into a super preview for uh, this week's games because, I mean, obviously, uh, I'd love to have you on. Uh, we're going to have you on as part of the pregame show on uh, Friday. But, I mean, I d- definitely would love to get your thoughts as uh, you open uh, eight-man, or not eight-man play, but uh, conference play at Rocky Mount Academy as uh, Parrot Academy will be going there. Uh, what are you anticipating? Just real quick, I'm not even going to ask you, you know, keys to the victory and all that, but what do we know about Rocky Mountain Academy, Coach? Uh, very good team. Uh, very athletic. Uh, have two really good backs. Whenever you go to Rocky Mountain Academy, when I tell the guys you get off the bus, you're down a couple touchdowns. It's just a tough environment to play in. Uh, speakers are up there in our ear and our sideline. It's just loud. Uh, it's, it's a tough road environment for us to go to, and uh, we'll, we'll have to be up for the challenge. Well, very good. Well, I will leave you with this. Uh, like I said, not a su- we're here for a good time, not a long time this morning. I wanted to give give you those historical nuggets and congratulate you on the win. But I wanted to give you an opportunity. I guess you – I don't know if you heard or not. Uh, Baby Watch 2023 for uh, Paul and Samantha ended Saturday night as little Levi Michael was born. I thought you might want a chance to say something because I'm doing the show live actually from – uh, from uh, Paul's man cave here in Garner. I just want to give you an opportunity to pass your congratulations on, Coach. That is awesome. Congratulations. Uh, but it'll be the best thing to ever happen to you. I feel it really excited for you all. Very good. Listen, Coach Beeman, thank you so much. We'll talk to you later on this week, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me. There you go. That's Matt Beeman from Arendelle Parrot Academy, head football coach there. Again, big 75-12 to 12 win over Liberty Christian. This past Friday night in eight-man football. Okay, let's get John and Jonathan in here. Let's play the birthday game, and we will come back and wrap up uh, this Monday, September 11th edition of the Brian Hanks Show right after that. Today is Monday, September the 11th in the year of the Lord, 2023. It's time to play the birthday game. And yeah, we're usually very frivolous, frivolous, or frivolity, and we laugh a lot and have fun, and there's nothing wrong with that. But on a day like this and we've not done a september 11th birthday game in a couple of years now because of it falling on saturday and sunday in previous years but uh you know i just i think it would be cool we've talked about september 11th during the show today too yeah it is monday morning quarterback and we had uh, a couple of coaches on the day to talk about that but i think it also you know i'd love to know and i don't remember where were you john dawson september the 11th 2001 22 years ago today uh, I was working in a restaurant and uh, had a radio on, and the radio, Howard Stern was on the radio. This is during the years he was funny. 
and somebody ran in the room and he said a, they said a plane hit the uh, Twin Towers. They said they just assumed it was an accident and talked about it for a second and got on with the show and then somebody ran back in a few minutes later and said the planes hit the other one, another plane. So, and then he stayed on the air for four or five hours talking to people in the city and whatnot. And it was pretty surreal. And, uh, I had friends living in New York at that time because we had just started to play music up there. Uh, luckily they were out of town and a few months later we were up there playing and we were standing next to the hole in the ground it was it was incredibly weird looking i never saw it i mean i got well i, I go to new york not a whole lot but what once every four or five years or so and in that period i hadn't been up there in a while in fact i didn't even get back up there until after they had built the you know the memorial mm -hmm. which is just amazing and with the water going down into the big hole and uh so, uh, yeah, that was me. What about you? I, Jonathan, that's before I even met you. I didn't even get to Kinston until, what, October of uh, 2002. So you were just, you were just, uh, what, I just, 11? I was 12 okay. at that point. So I would have been seventh grade, maybe. Well, how was it? You've got the perspective of being at school when it happened. Um, I was in my, believe it or not, AG class. Um, for those that would actually believe I was eligible for those classes. But I was in my AG class, and we had the TV on. And I don't remember if we finished out the day or not, but I, I do remember sitting there in in that class for probably an hour. Just even even at that age, all the kids were silent, just kind of watching what was going on because it because it, it was happening in real time. Yeah, so we yeah. we see all these things, and at 12, you know, they you, you don't process it the same way you do at well 34 now. Yeah, and. I just remember thinking, like, this is this is just bad. Like, I, I don't think this is actually happening. There's no way this is happening because, wow. once again, you don't process things the same way then. You think, oh, everything's made up on TV. But um, I do know that I had one close relative that was supposed to be on one of those flights. Wow. Who was that? I don't think you've ever – do you remember this? No, I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't think we've talked about it, um, this part, uh, okay. that much. So, you remember my cousin Jimmy? Yeah, lived in Baltimore. Yeah, so his his sister, Sheila, is married to a gentleman named Bruce. Great guy. He's come down here a lot. Uh, but he travels a lot for work. And they live in, in outside of Baltimore in one of those... Um, Subdivision yeah, or type suburbs. Yeah. yeah, the suburbs outside of Baltimore. And, or they did at the time. And he was supposed to be flying somewhere out of New York or somewhere. I can't remember the, the travel plans for him that day, but uh, he had gotten sick and couldn't make the flight. Wow. Well, talk about getting lucky there for sure. There's a church across the street from the site, and they turned it in. When we were up there, they had started to turn it into a museum. They had pictures up in there. This fireman would go over into the to the site and, and work for 12 or 24 hours straight and they would go into church and try to sleep a few hours and people were bringing them food i think it's been turned into a museum now for wow. that event well again one of the darkest days i'll just real quick my memories of it was i was hosting i've told you before the blues and boogie show at uh in dallas north carolina at gaston college gaston college radio but uh the show air you know we did it live from 6 to 9 a.m and uh i uh you know, when the first one crashed, it came across because we had a wire in there, too, or, you know, the news report. 
And I, like uh, Jonathan said, I mean, we did report, hey, it looks like an airplane has crashed into, uh, you know, into, I didn't even say World Trade Center. I just said one of the, a building in New York City. And uh, so we're like, I don't know, when, when the second one crashed, four or five minutes till nine. And uh, we, I had, in fact, I had, we had a big TV in there too. And so I had it on NBC. I mean, I specifically remember, and they were showing the uh, the building, you know, the first building with all the smoke coming out of it. And then all of a sudden you saw, and I thought it was a replay, but then I was like, you know, your brain's going, well, that can't be a replay because the smoke's coming out now. And so I actually, real time watched the second plane go in and said that on the air and so we were supposed to go off at nine my replacement who was there uh just said hey stay on and so i stayed on until i believe about 11 15 or 11 30 and uh kind of the same thing just everybody talking about it us just trying to process because then you remember not long after that was the pentagon and not long after that was shanksville uh, pennsylvania and, uh, and then the weirdest thing happened. I don't know if you, we talked about this last time we talked about 9-11, but uh, we get a call from the FCC. Our station manager gets a call and says, get off the air now. We're shutting down all stations that are 10,000 watts and smaller uh, in case I guess they needed to put out whatever, like mm-hmm. messages or whatever. But they shut down every radio station in America that was 10,000 watts and smaller at that time. I never heard that one. Yeah. Uh, well, they did us. That's what they told yeah. us anyway, was that that's the reason they were doing it. So we literally said, well, you know, uh, gotta go. yeah, got to go. We've just got a message that we are to uh, shut down uh, WSGE. Uh, we're shutting down WSGE. Uh, I don't know when we'll be back. Uh, that was a Tuesday. In fact, they didn't reopen it till I think Friday of that week. So we were off the air Tuesday when, or from that Tuesday. That's bizarre. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Uh, we even had to go and uh, do something with our tower. They had there's some button or something that. And you know what? I should talk to Tony Denton about this. Who, by the way, today is Tony Denton's birthday. Ironically, with all this. But uh, like I said, all stations, we were told, uh, I, anyway, we had to go do something with our tower and all this other stuff, too. So it was really bizarre. The reason I always remember that, too, is that was my first day at the Shelby Star. Was oh Yeah. So so I get done with that. I go home. Uh, I call, you know, of course, they called off all sports, you know, for that uh, that day and the next couple of days. And I call and I actually went into the office because I had to go fill out paperwork. It was my first day at the Shelby Star being transferred from the Gaston Gazette. And uh, so I talked to my boss, Alan Ford, who was a sports editor at the time. And I'm like, uh, you know, what do you need me to do? And he, they checked over on the news side. They decided they didn't need anything over on the news side. And they said, okay, go home. Go home. Yeah. And that was just the most bizarre. I lived in Kings Mountain at the time. Driving home. I mean, I, dude, I was sent home like at 4.30, 5 o'clock. So I don't know. Probably wasn't the healthiest thing in the world. But I sat in front of the TV for, I mean, dude, I think until like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Okay, because I knew I didn't have to. They'd already told us we weren't going to do the radio station. It was hard not to do it, and you're also wondering if something else is going to happen. People will never, will they? I thank you for bringing that up. We lived, what, over the next week? To, uh, although they did <laughs> shut down all air, remember all and no nobody flight, could fly. Yeah, yeah. They, shut the, they shut the airports down, but uh, I had a th- and, and the government was saying strange things like get a lot of duct tape because they were they they had no idea what was coming, and they said in case there's a chemical or biological, get duct tape I and had tape. Forgot it. that, yeah. So that's that's how much that's how many ideas they had on the shelf. They were telling us to buy duct tape. And I was, I had to drive to Raleigh for something a few days later, and I had this little radio that picked up TV signals. This, I didn't have XM or anything yet. 
So I was listening to NBC or something driving, and this thing had a long antenna on it, and I'm going through Goldsboro, and a military vehicle waves me over. Pull over. The guy comes up, he said, sir, can I see what you got there? I said, it's a radio. They thought it was some, this looked weird. Yeah, it was which a, I can understand that. I mean, it was yeah. just like a, uh, looked like a military radio with an antenna. I said, I'm just listening to television. He said, okay, have a nice day. <laughs> so they were, yeah, everybody was a little bit jumpy. Oh, do you blame them? No. Especially no. around military bases. Yep. You know, I mean. Yeah, I was I driving could... right by Seymour Johnson on 70. Good Lord. But that's a, the understated thing that I have actually totally forgotten about until you just brought it up right there. But we lived under, the, what, the next 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours, 48, 72, 96 of when's the next attack coming? Because, hey, we just had four right on top of each other. We know there's another one coming. When's the next one coming? And I remember, like I said, watching TV and them saying, do, you know, do not avoid places where there'd be big groups. Obviously, there were no sporting events. They called all those off. They canceled all these concerts. They, uh, I mean, there really were no places where there would be big groups unless you went in the office. And like I said, I mean, it, it just was such a bizarre time. Here's the thing that I remember the most, though, and I think I have mentioned this before, and it may, it's sad. The whole thing was sad in the first place, John and Jonathan, but it really brought this country together. You know, briefly, yeah. briefly, and it was for three or four days or whatever, but it really brought this country together. I mean, I remember in Shelby, you know, we'd get crime reports, and I'm sure you got them here in Kinston, too. There was no crime for three days. Seriously, there was no, nobody got pulled. You know, there were no speeding. There were no uh, robberies. There were no murders. There was nothing like that for three or four days. We were all together. I remember we had a Krispy Kreme in uh, Shelby, and I remember picking up donuts and taking it to our local fire station because I thought, you know what? This is going to be unique. I'm going to be this one person. Dude, the whole fire station was kind of like you talked about this on the show when we were talking about uh, Becky Brown mm -hmm. last week about how he, we here in the South, we always, you know, what do we do? We bring food, you right. know, at the Shelby Fire Department. Dude, it seemed like half the bay was full of brownies and cooked food and yeah i wasn't the only person that thought about taking Krispy cream donuts to them or anything dude right. it really was it was uh but we all came together john you know and and it's sad it's terrible that it takes something like that to bring everybody together nobody was black nobody was white nobody was latino no we were americans for briefly briefly for three or four days and, and then and if you want to get angry about it and i'm not going to get into which party and which politician and this and that but there was one group of politicians one politician who was obsessed with getting bin laden and there was another group who said he was wasting resources trying to get him yeah well see how that played out yeah it is what it is man but i'm telling you uh it, to me that's there's so many sad parts of the whole thing but that to me was is extremely sad that it took a tragedy of that caliber to bring us together as a nation and i mean obviously i hope not, nothing like that ever happens again but i just i long for the day of us being one nation you know and us rallying behind well everybody you know usually the stuff that people uh, gripe about there was something more important for a few days anyway well so much more what about you jonathan last thoughts uh well, I think we can all take a little bit of solace now knowing that the uh, quote-unquote mastermind is deep in the depths of Davy Jones' locker, so yeah, we don't absolutely. have to ever worry about him again. Not that there's not other evils oh, yeah. out in the world, but at least that one was brought to uh, resolution. 
Yep. That's a good way to put it. Because that's you. not the word I would have said. Well, it's just good to know he's fish poop, and we'll just leave it at that. That's probably hey. what I would have said. There you go. Okay, uh, hey, we're here to play the birthday game uh, on this uh, somber anniversary, but we're still going to have fun today. Right, John Dawson? You said you said it, Brian. <laughs> right, Jonathan Massey? That's right, I say, I say boy. I say, I say boy. Uh, Jonathan Massey, you won on Friday, and we couldn't be. You won 4-1. to one. We are tied three days to three. You guys have got 15 birthdays apiece. This is awesome. I mean, this is, this is a good birthday game month. Uh, why don't you tell us about the title sponsor of the birthday game, our good friend Jacques Passelet and Guico Office Automation. Well, Jacques Passelet, he's an incredible human being. If you've had the chance to know Jacques, you've had the chance to, to know and love Jacques. And if you, if you want to uh, love your business as much as Jacques loves his, you need to give him a call because he can bring you right to the top with him and you can be a part of the rebuild, I would say reloading of Kinston and the greater Lenore County area. So if you want to give him a call, you dial 252-256-286-5353-5354. Or you can visit his websites at goeconc.com. What is goeco.com or bucklesberry.com? There you go. I like it. Let us uh, just uh, jump right in. Uh, he is uh, a member of this band. I just knew you would be all over you definitely got it now. Oh, yeah. Um, give me a second. I know who yeah. this is. If you know before him, Jonathan Massey, feel free to jump in. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> is it Foreigner? No, but you're definitely in the right genre. You'll get it right here. I'm going to have to hear the chorus. I'm sorry. You want to try Jonathan Massey? I don't know. Hold on. I'll play Let's this. Let me just let the chorus. Oh, okay. Crazy. Is it any wonder that I'm saying it all? I know Paul Rudd and Jimmy Fallon did a bit about this, and I cannot. I am blown away. I'm not denigrating you, dude. You're not. Your batting percentage is about 950, about 980. Okay, for you to miss one out of every 280 that you. I get. haven't missed it yet. I oh. keep waiting for the chorus. Oh, okay. Here you go. Here we go. Chorus. Oh, sticks. Sticks. Yeah, it is sticks. Did you? I, did you not like my hand clap? I got there? it when I heard Dennis DeYoung come in on the backing vocal. Tommy Shaw. Are you um, familiar with Tommy Shaw? Yes. Of Sticks. Yes. Today is his birthday. Oh, boy. He was also in Damn Yankees with Ted Nugent and Yes, Jack he Blades. was. I almost played a damn, but I thought, I honestly did Sticks because I figured you, I was going to play this song. Don't play Mr. Roboto. They don't even play it. Now. I know. So you don't want me to play it? No. Okay. Whose guess is it? Uh, it is uh, Jonathan Massey's. Uh, how old is uh, Tommy Shaw of Sticks? 73. You say 73. What do you say, John Dawson? 72. He was born September the 11th, 1953, so he is 70 today. So congratulations, John Dawson. You take a one-to-nothing lead. Out of curiosity, had I said 71, which was my original guess, what would you have said? 70. Oh, well, never mind. It would have resulted the same. 
Okay, let's see here. This is a remake, him singing a remake, but he, this gentleman, he has sold more than 30 million albums worldwide. Uber talented. Uh, Someday when I'm awfully low, when the world is cold. Is this Michael Bubble? No. Not a bad guess, though. That's what that was. It's not Sinatra. It's too, too young. Yeah. Um, guy from Louisiana. Um, you got it. I knew you would get it. Oh, shoot. Josh Groban? No. no. Oh, um, no. I can get it if I have one. He's a junior. Harry oh. Connick. Ding, ding, ding. Harry Connick. Did that help? That's what from Harry Met Sally. Yeah. 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 There you go. Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. I know I'm, I've never asked you about him before. Dude's really talented. If you've ever seen him play a piano, it's just otherworldly. And he's an actor. He was on Cheers. And oh, dude, he was in Independence Day. He was Will Smith's uh, uh, fighter pilot friend. And I still say Day. Cheers is higher on the liter literary mm -hmm. I bet he scale. made more doing Independence Day than he did Cheers. El Chapa made more doing drugs, but what's for better for society? There you go. Harry Connick Jr., how old is he today there? I'll turn it down. It is loud. Harry Connick Jr., how old is he today, uh, John Dawson? Great voice, too, man. I just think he... You don't think so? Yeah, I, yeah I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think and answer you at the same time. Uh, 62. You say 62. What do you say, Jonathan Massey? 61. He was born September the 11th, 1967. So he's 56 today. So mm. he's Harry Connick Jr. is only two years older than me. You know, on Cheers, he was obsessed with uh, Kirstie Alley's character. Guess what? Yeah. I was too. Yeah, yeah. You were <laughs> obsessed with Harry Connick? <laughs> no, I was obsessed with Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one, good one, good one. Okay, uh, you, I better get some cool points for this, and I'll get to it in a second why I chose this. But he's a lead guitarist and co-founder of this band. This is really about the only song I like about it, because I'm, you know the band. I think so. Just cold play. You know how I know Jonathan Massey? Too loud, dog. They open for you too? No. Uh, no, I was doing a 40-year-old uh, virgin uh, quote for you there, and you didn't even catch it. I must have missed it. Yeah. You know how I know? <laughs> Just leave it at that. Uh, yeah, Coldplay, uh, the lead guitarist, you know his name? No. Johnny Buckland. Okay. Johnny Buckland. I'm not a big Coldplay fan. But I like on. the song Clocks. That's about it. Clocks is good. I like this one. That's the reason I chose this song is because I really Same do. Same album, I think. Yep. Uh, but Johnny Buckland, uh, Jonathan Massey, Coldplay fan? Not really. The only one I know, and this might not even be a Coldplay song, is Viva La Vida. It is. That is a Coldplay song, yes. Uh, I'm... I'm I'm, honestly, I'm Coldplay neutral minus. Not totally Coldplay negative, but Coldplay, if it's neutral, right here in the they're middle. They're U2 light. And that's who they were compared to when they first came out. Well, how Everybody do you think I felt when they compared Green Day to the Who? I mean, come on. Yeah, but I like Green Day, though. Yeah, but still. Uh, yeah, no, 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 you're right. You're right, you're right. Oh, there's a big gap. Yeah. There's definitely a big gap. Johnny Buckland, how old is he today over there, uh, Jonathan Massey? 
54. You say 54, uh, John Dawson. 53. He was born September the 11th, uh, 1977. Mm. So only 46. Wow. So uh, this came out like in, let me see if I can figure out when this came out. No, I don't 2003? Something like that. So he was only, golly, well, that would have been 26. So, yeah, yeah I guess that's, that's age appropriate. Here's where I want to get the love that I deserve here, okay? Massey. No, 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 no. Oh. This isn't for me. This is for you. Mm. It came down to this guy from Coldplay and the rapper Ludacris, who's all, whose birthday is also today. And I chose this guy over Ludacris. I do appreciate it, and let's have more thoughts like that. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I just had to at least get my love if there. If it comes down to a rapper or Britney Spears or New Kids <laughs> on the Block versus the guy who invented the swizzle stick, go with the swizzle, swizzle stick, stick guy. guy. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I just had to get my love for that. I mean, it did. Honestly, it came to It was like, air hug. do I do Johnny Buckland or do I do Ludacris? And I went with Johnny Buckland. Thank okay. God. There you go. Who got that? I did. You did. So you lead two to one, uh, two uh, passed away people here to end it. And uh, both some of the most famous football coaches of all time. And I promise you, no, you've no, 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 no. <laughs> Laugh all you want. You've heard of him. It goes to you. He's one of the greatest fo college football coaches of all time. He was born Paul William Bryant, but we know him better as Bear, Bear. Bryant. Bear Bryant. He passed away in 1983. In 1983, so exactly 40 years ago, he died. Go ahead, Jonathan. You, you remember Mike Baker that used to work yep. at the – you know Mike was recruited by Bear Bryant and the folks at Alabama and chose to go to ECU? Rest in peace. But what in the world was he thinking? Well, he was uh, he was newly married, and he he Mike was a big family guy. He loved his, his family, so he wanted to stay closer to home. Wow. Wow. Hey, good for him. Mm -hmm. Good for him. Okay. Well, uh, Bear Bryant, Jonathan Parrott Dawson, how old would he be if he were still alive today again? Died in 1983, uh, 40 years ago. That's who the monkey on BJ and the Bear was named after, by the way. Is he, was he really? Um, I don't know, man. 120. You say 120. What do you say, Jonathan Massey? 119. He was born September the 11th, 1913, so he'd be 110 today. So, mm. Jonathan Massey, you get that's tied up two to two. And again, uh, a, a dead coach, but one of the all-time greats. He wore the uh, the fedora, was uh, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys for a thousand years. Tom Landry. Tom Landry, and even me. As much as I hate the Cowboys, I have a begrudging respect for him. He was a very, he was a Christian fellow, mm -hmm. said he never cursed, never. And think about, you know, you're coaching big time NFL football and said he never cursed in front of his kids or kids in front of his players. He was always very fair with everybody mm -hmm. and just was an, and then you get Jimmy Johnson in there with Jerry Jones. I mean, two of the biggest centers in the world right it's after like going him. going from Gandhi to uh, Joel Olstein or something. I don't know. <laughs> I appreciate uh -huh, that. I do yeah. too. Good yeah. job there. I thought you were going to say going from Gandhi to Jonathan Massey. I wasn't that desperate. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Tom Landry over there. Oh, he passed away, gentlemen, in 2000. So he passed away 23 years ago. How old would Tom Landry be if he were still alive today, Jonathan Massey? 97. You say 97. What do you say, John Dawson? This is for the win. 98. And you win. He was born September the 11th, 1924. By the way, good guess, dude. Seriously, good guess. He would be 99 if he were still alive today. Oh, there you go. So uh, you win today. John Dawson, uh, you lead 
four days to three now. Hey, uh, big boss man, today's his birthday, uh, Tony Denton. Mm. Happy birthday, Tony. Hope you have a good birthday. And if today's your birthday like Tony and Tom Landry and Bear Bryant and Ludacris. We didn't do that birthday. Oh, yeah, we didn't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then have a great birthday. We will see you tomorrow on the birthday game presented by GoEco Office Automation. And again, a very somber morning uh, here on not just on the Brian Hank show, but all together. I had a chance to uh, look a little bit at Facebook there while I was listening to the birthday game with John and Jonathan. And man, kudos to uh, South Lenore High School. Uh, they took a picture of them in their auditorium, all of them in their uh, uh, North Lenore green and uh black so uh just again you get the opportunity you're listening to this right now uh throw some green on to uh, support our, our folks over at uh at north lower high school with everything that they've gone through in the past three or four days uh and again man just again what a somber day 9 11 on top of that i mean we are right at the moment now where the first plane uh, a few minutes ago had uh had flown into uh, one of the uh, one of the buildings, and then what? In just a couple of minutes after we go past the nine o'clock hour, the uh, second plane flew in. Uh, not long after that, uh, just just everything that's just happened uh, with nine eleven. Please take a couple of minutes. Like I said, what what a day! I mean, for us to think about our North and North brothers and sisters. And uh, what happened on 9-11 22 years ago, just a very, very somber day. Okay, one more time, uh, thank you so much to uh, Mark Panicelli for joining us here uh, in our first hour of today's show, to Matt Present, to Matt Beeman for joining us in our second hour. On tomorrow's show, we'll have Richard Clark in the first hour, and we will have uh, Catherine Pearson and Prudencio in the second hour to get you ready for... uh, for uh, some great things that are going to be happening out at LCC this weekend and over the next couple of weeks. Have a great Monday. Again, take a few minutes and uh, just uh, let's think about these people we need to think about and pray for today. We'll see you tomorrow on the Brian Hanks Show presented by Lenore Community College.